If you have your Bible, uh, please open it, if it doesn't open there by itself, to Matthew chapter 16. Uh, we're going to continue uh, in this conversation. We're in the middle of an intimate and powerful uh, conversation between Jesus and his disciples, in, in which Jesus and Peter sort of stand uh, in, in the front. And really, even though there's two people uh, engaged in this conversation, and there's more than that involved in this story, the story is really only about one person. And that's what I hope that you walk away with today, that this story is about one person. Uh, there are other people who play minor roles in it, but the story that you and I live in isn't about us. Right? The story that we're reading here in about in Peter, uh, with Peter and Jesus isn't really about Peter. It's about Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God. So I pray that, that you... Um, that you pick up on that and you take comfort from that. We are involved in this, this um, conversation that really sets the tone for what Jesus says about 12 chapters later in Matthew 28 where he fully unveils the mission of the church, and that's to go. That's to go and make disciples all over this world that I've created. And here he's just giving them a little bit. He's, he, he's laying the foundation. So you have the foundation laying the foundation for what is to come. You have Jesus laying what's to come for his bride, the church. And it's our desire, at least I hope it is always our desire, that as a local church, corporately and individually, that we always desire to chase after this mission that God has given us with increasing passion and commitment. Uh, that we are more and more about every single day about reaching the lost with the message of Jesus Christ. And that's where we are. And, and in order for us to hold on to that better, we're, we're talking about those unique characteristics of the church that should never, ever change over the course of time. doesn't matter who's, who, who's uh, in the pulpit it doesn't matter who the pastor is. It doesn't matter who the members are. It doesn't matter if it's Williamstown or Marietta or Columbus or Atlanta, Georgia uh, or Scotland. It does not matter where the church is, that these are some things that the church is. And so far we've looked at that the community, the church is a community of people who, one, know Jesus intimately because that confession that, that Peter made didn't come from his own understanding, from his own head, but it came directly from the Father. He was just the loudspeaker that proclaimed it. Right? That we are, we are people who proclaim Jesus, or know Jesus intimately and proclaim him confidently. And, and today, uh, we want to see what else, what is another characteristic of this church which has started here in the pages of the New Testament and continues to be lived out in 2022. So let's go back to our text uh, in Matthew chapter 16. If you, um, if you have a Bible, uh, please open up. If you don't have a Bible, there are some over here that you can take. Uh, we don't put a lot of uh, Scripture on the screen because we want you to interact with God's Word, uh, whether that's on a device, whether that's uh, in uh, your, your paper Bible. But Matthew chapter 16 Starting in verse number 13, these are the words written for us. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. 
And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. Father God, we thank you for these words that you have preserved for us over the millennium. God, we are thankful that we can read them today and put ourselves in the setting where, where the disciples and, and, and Peter and Jesus are having this conversation. And God, we pray deeply that, the, that this, this confession, this proclamation continues to have as much of an impact as it does in 2022 as it did in the first century. God, help us just to chase after the, 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 what, what the, our forefathers, our first century brothers and sisters uh, laid down for us. Help us to continue in their same path, proclaiming you. God, we love you, and we ask now that you would help us just to take this message to heart and to help it expand our knowledge of who we are as the church. God, help it to give us fuel for the mission ahead of us, uh, the mission that you continue to, to ask us to be a part of. Father God, thank you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Well, building off of last week, right, in which we said that, that, the, that death cannot stop this Messiah, or death can't even stop the messengers of this Messiah, we're going to go a step further and add another little bit to our definition of the church. Today, I want us to see that the church is a community of people who have been, been given authority by Jesus. The church is a community of people who have been given authority by, Christ, by Jesus. Now, I don't know if you uh, this will be uh, alarming to you, if this is new to you, but we, the church, throughout history, have done a pretty good job of messing up certain sections of Scripture. This section that we're talking about uh, during this series is no different because people have taken this section of Scripture that we have, this conversation between mainly Jesus and Peter, and they have done one of two things. They have either elevated Peter to the place that he is like a supreme man, or we have pushed Peter to the side because we don't want to focus on man at all. Well, I, I, when we come to this text, I think it's important for us to realize what is going on here. Because as the church is a community of people who have been given authority by Jesus, it's important to know what that means. You see, this is not a section of Scripture about some supreme human leader. It's about a sovereign king. This is not a section of Scripture. This is not a text about a bishop or an overseer. It's about a non-negotiable declaration. This is not a text about an infallible human leader. This is a text about an invincible mission. And I think it's important for us to realize that. It's important for us to, to understand that this is not about placing high importance about, on Peter and elevating him to a place where he, he garners um, our worship and our atten undue attention and then he just passes that on to somebody throughout history. 
this is a text about an infallible, uh, about an invincible mission based on a, non, <laughs> a non-negotiable declaration initiated by a sovereign Savior. So, as, as we go through this, we need to, to look at this. Because this has some weird, this section of Scripture has some weird language in it. For example, when is the last time that in your conversation you used the word binding or loosing like it is used in this section of Scripture? We just don't do it. Right? We, the, the last time I talked about binding, I was talking about the, a book that I wanted to have refinished because I had worn it out and I wanted to preserve it and I wanted to pass it on. I talked about the binding of a book. Right? Or I talked about loose all right, uh, and talking about that the, I have this, this stool in my classroom and the Navarros and uh, the, 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 the Plemons and some of the other people in here will know that this stool, is, uh, it, it, needs, it needs some loose screws tightened. Some of you have probably used this in reference to me. Our pastor may have a screw or two loose. So it's important for us to understand what we mean here. For a long time in my understanding of this, I had the role, the definition of these words reversed. I thought binding was the good part of this and loosing was the, the bad. But that's not what this section of Scripture means. In the simplest terms, to loose means to set free, to unlock, to make available. To bind then means to restrict or to prevent. If we're given the keys and we are, have the ability, we have the authority to let loose, then, then, then letting loose would be opening doors. Binding would be slamming doors in people's faces. That's what this section of Scripture is talking about. That type of binding and loosing. It starts with the Father is uttered and is confessed, is proclaimed through obedient, through, through, through spirit and dwelled individuals, Peter, then us. Remember last week we talked a little bit about this, that fact that, that Peter was just the first rock in the wall that is the church. The foundation is Jesus Christ. Peter was a rock in that wall. Paul was a rock in the wall. Right? Philip, that we'll talk about in just a second, was a stone in that wall. Every believer that has put their faith in Jesus Christ is now a stone, a rock in that wall. No one more important than the other because if, if, you, if you as a rock are taken out of that wall, right, that wall is not complete. That church is not what she can be. Right? All of us are a members of the church built on the foundation that is Jesus Christ. So what does this mean? Well, you'll notice, if you were paying attention to the reading three weeks ago, two weeks ago, or today, that, that Peter or Jesus doesn't go into a lot of discussion here about what this means in real life. But if you go over to the book of Acts, you see this idea of loosing, taking shape, and gaining power. In, in Acts chapter 2, you have this same apostle, Peter, who has now been filled with the Holy Spirit. You notice at the end of the text that we've been reading that after Jesus and Peter have this encounter and Peter makes this bold confession and and Jesus says, yeah, on that confession I'm going to build my church, then the section closes with, don't tell anybody that I'm the Messiah. We know why, right? 
We know why he told them, don't say anything, because they hadn't had the Spirit given to them yet. That's coming in Acts. Right? And just imagine if Peter would have taken this message of the Messiah out on his own, how he would have messed it up. Or James and John, the sons of thunder, if they would have just went out and started proclaiming. No, Jesus told them, don't tell anybody. And then in Acts chapter 1, he tells them to wait until the Spirit comes. That's all tied together because you can't do this on your own. You need the Spirit working inside you. And we get over to Acts chapter 2, and the Spirit has come. Jesus has now ascended back into heaven. The Holy Spirit has come upon the believers, and the first, Peter wastes no time in taking the opportunity to proclaim Jesus. And he stands in front of this crowd. We don't know how many were there, at least 3,000. Right? But he stands in front of this crowd, and he proclaims Jesus to a largely Jewish audience. There may have been some other people in town because of the type of city that they were in. But for the most part, this is a Jewish audience. And Peter here lets loose the gospel. He goes, he hits them right in the face with them. He doesn't hold anything back. He says, you guys are the one who nailed Jesus to the cross. And after preaching, they say, oh, okay, what do we need to do? Peter says, okay, repent and be baptized. And 3,000 souls were added to the church. And we see as we continue to read through, the, through Acts that the church continues to build and build and build. That's because Peter was faithful in making this declaration over and over. He was faithful with the keys that had been handed to him. Peter here at Pentecost let loose the gospel to an audience. And 3,000 were pulled into the kingdom. And we can just see that continuing to swell and swell as you read through. What Peter let loose to a Jewish audience here in this setting, heaven unleashed, let loose the gospel throughout all of the Jewish nation. You see, something that we tend to forget is, yes, Jewish people had a special place in the heart of God, but even throughout the Old Testament, you were not saved just because you were born into Abraham's family. No, even in the Old Testament, your faith was based on God and who he was and who, what he does. And here, Peter shares the message. He proclaims that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and heaven lets loose the gospel to all Jewish people. And we see it grow and grow and grow. If you go over into chapter 8, the gospel had made its way into Samaritan's ears. And Philip... Right? Another one of those stones in the wall of the church. So Philip is, has been preaching to, and, and talking to the Samaritans. Right? He, and, and he has this conversation and people are coming. He, he teaches, he preaches, and people are coming to faith in Jesus. And Peter has to go and check out and make sure this is for real. Right? We're okay with it going to the Jewish nation, but we're not so sure about it going to the Samaritan nation. So if you think about uh, people groups at this time, we have the Jewish people, which Peter just let loose the gospel to the Jewish nation. Right? And then over on this side, you have the Gentiles. These two did not like each other. Here in the middle, you have the Samaritans, right? also hated by the Jews and a little bit by the Gentiles. So you have these three people groups. And here, uh, okay, so the gospel has been released. It's been let loose to the Jewish people. Here, Peter goes and sees that Philip has let loose the gospel to the Samaritans, the hated Samaritans. 
And he goes and as, as an act to show, yes, Jesus or God is including the Samaritans in his kingdom. The Holy Spirit is delayed and comes to them when Peter goes to visit. What Philip, what Peter let loose to the Samaritans, God let loose through all of Samaria. Do you see the mission of the church unfolding here? You're going to be my witnesses in Judea and Samaria. And then if you go over into Acts chapter 10, Peter unleashes the gospel. He lets loose the gospel to another group of people, and he didn't even want to. God had to come to him in a vision and convince him that he was to go to this guy named Cornelius, a Gentile, and talk to him about the gospel. And it took God showing up in a vision to Peter for him to go and do this. He shares the, the, the gospel with Cornelius, who's a, who's a centurion in, a, in, 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 a, in the army, something known as the Italian uh, cohort. And Cornelius and all his family accept the gospel. What Peter let loose to this family, heaven let loose to all the Gentile nation. You're going to be my witnesses. Jesus said, in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. You can see what happens with the message of the gospel when those who have been given authority with the message are obedient by in taking that message to Jerusalem, to Judea, and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. What obedient men let loose in a small environment, whether it was a family or whether it was 3,000, heaven let loose to the ends of the earth. There's another, there's another story uh, about Philip uh, where he is, uh, he's, he's, he's minding his own business, and all of a sudden there's this, there's this official from Queen Candace's court traveling by, right? Queen Candace of Ethiopia. And he's, he's reading from Isaiah, and Peter says, do you understand what you're reading? And like, how can I unless somebody interprets it and teaches it to me? So they spend some time together, and he shares the gospel, and he teaches him everything, beginning in Isaiah, and he, he teaches him everything. And then uh, he says, I believe, and here's some water. Do I need to wait to be baptized? And they, they, pull the, they pull the chariot over, and they go, and they, find, they go down to the water, and he is baptized. And you know what happens then? <laughs> Philip's gone. But I can't help but think that when that official made his way back down to northern Africa, that the kingdom was let loose through what he had, had experienced. Now, if you're, if you're paying attention and you're reading, okay, and you're reading in Acts chapter 2 about Peter and speaking to the Jews, and in Acts chapter 8 about Peter going and verifying what happened uh, among the Samaritans and then the praying and the Spirit comes, and then in Acts chapter 10 where the, 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 the gospel is let go to the Gentiles, and then you keep reading, and you know, there's, an, there's Peter in 11, and then Peter is rescued, and then Peter disappears. You know why? It's not because it's the end of the story. It's because the story is not about Peter. The conversation that we read in Matthew chapter 16 is not about Peter. It's about Jesus. And the story of Jesus continues after. And it's more and more faithful men and women picking up the mantle, picking up the baton from Peter, from Paul, and continuing to proclaim it. And as they let it loose, and wherever it is that God led them, heaven just magnifies and multiplies that influence.
I encourage you sometime just to go online and to search for a gospel tracker or salvation tracker. Um, and it's just, you see, it, you can watch it for a long time because it just pops up. Salvation, salvation. And that's just the ones that are being reported by churches. That you, uh, but the gospel is still powerful. It starts with the Father. It's made available only through life-changing belief in Jesus Christ, the Son. And it's established and grown in us by the Spirit. We are all handed keys to the kingdom. Do you remember the first time your dad handed you the keys to the car? Or mom handed you keys to the car? Right? Maybe when you turned 16, they, they, they gave you that car. And then maybe you just sort of passed it to your, as you, when you were, had enough money to buy your own, you passed it to the next person. Right? I know that's that was our car. A Honda, I think it was an Accord. I don't know very much about cars. It was a tan. It didn't run very well. I got it, and the head blew, head blew on it, head gasket. I don't know much about cars, but I know it needs a head gasket to make it up hills. Otherwise, you're puttering. That, that beauty was handed off to my sisters, and they loved it. And it was handed off to another sister. And then finally, the baby, of course, gets a brand-new vehicle, but that's another story for another time. But that's what, ha- that's what happens here with the keys of the kingdom. It's just handed off to the next person. Peter carried it to his, to, till his part in the mission was completed, and he handed it to the next person. Paul d- fulfilled his leg of the journey and handed it to the next person. Augustine, Martin Luther, John Calvin, Jim Mike Ward, Tony Foreman, Scott McClure, Karen Knoll, Ryan Elliott. It's just this continual handing off of the keys to the kingdom. And all of us then are given the authority to proclaim a message. Not that we have authority. We only have the authority that's been given through the confession that we make. And that's what makes it possible for us to say to somebody when they make that confession that your eternity just changed. You were were headed down a road that was bent for destruction, for torment forever. But because of the confession that you just made, and the guy who made that confession authoritative, you are now sealed for all eternity. My question for you as we wrap up our time together today is what are you doing with the authority that has been given to you? Or to, to put it into this, the, the analogy to, the, to the, what Matthew chapter 16 says, what are you doing with the keys that have been handed to you? You only have really one option as a key holder. You can use those keys to go around opening up doors for people so that they can walk in to to, to meet Jesus. And I'm pretty sure that what will happen when you are obedient in doing that is the gospel will be unleashed. It will be let loose. Maybe it's not because you open the door, but maybe it's because you open the door and Joe Lives are offered somebody in. And then maybe it's because Jeremy Shepherd took the next leg. But as a key holder... Are you opening doors for people to meet Jesus in your speech, in your action, in the way that you conduct conduct yourself? Or are you doing the exact opposite of that? Are you using your keys to keep doors locked or slam doors in people's faces? We really only have two options. What are you doing with the keys that have been passed to you?